Thank you. Ah, a hands-free mic. Oh, I have longed for one for ages. <clears throat> Highwaymen in England used to say, stand and deliver before they robbed you. And when I held a handheld mic, I became a stand and deliver type of teacher. This now enables me to genuinely say, Christ died on the cross for you. When you do it with one hand, it's just a lot less convincing. Christ died on the cross for you. Or do you know how much God loves you? He loves you this much. Or maybe he loves you this much. And carry on. So thank you. Uh, before I get into teaching, we have a new member of staff. Uh, her name is Rayan Paleitner. She hates coming up on stage, so I'm not going to ask her to come up on stage. But she's going to wave at you from the sound booth. Could you turn around and give Rayanne a wave? Thank you. Rayanne's still working at Christ Community Church, my last church, um, as an administrative assistant. She's agreed to help us out for 10, 15 hours a week as our operations manager. So anything that looks really good, and you thought, ah, that's good, like the newsletter, that's not me. That's Rayanne. So you'll see more of her at the retreat. That's where she's going to be helping set some stuff up for her as well. But please take some time and say hello and commiserations because she's working with me again after the service. Uh, we're finishing a teaching series in the book of Philippians. Uh, next week, we're going to do a character study in the Old Testament on the book, uh, the character Rahab, or as I think it's pronounced, Hahab. No, I have no idea how it's pronounced. Uh, and the newsletter, I'm going to let you know what our teaching strategy is. So Sundays are our primary way of teaching to you and discipling you. The main meat is going to be books of the Bible taught expositorily. But from time to time, we're going to do biblical literacy, a bit of theology, some topical teaching series. So uh, look out for the newsletter this week as I talk some more about our teaching strategy. But next week's going to be Rahab. Uh, today, I'm finishing off uh, the book of Philippians. Now, we know from uh, earlier weeks that Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. He planted it uh, from one of his missionary journeys in Macedonia. And he's now in prison in Rome. And he's writing to the church in Philippi to build them up in their faith and to say, thank you for the support you've given me. Thank you for the financial help. And thank you for sending someone, his name was Aphroditus, to help with me. Some of the key themes we've looked at, uh, living lives worthy of the gospel, that is a key theme throughout this letter. And it means helping one another, being reciprocal in our help. It looks sacrificial, but it's a way that we have our needs met. It looks like being unified. It looks like being humble, just like Christ was humble. Uh, living lives worthy of the gospel looks like trusting God. We trust in him for the righteousness that we have in Christ, not in our own goodness, for example. Uh, we find out living lives worthy of the gospel means we pray to God in all situations. One of the other key themes, other than living lives worthy of the gospel, is perseverance or standing firm. So the Christian life is like a very long-distance race. There's no prizes for starting off really quickly. But at the end, there is glorification if we finish the race. And another key theme, the third key theme that we've had is our identity is in Christ. So we are in Christ and he is in us. And another way that uh, that's shown is that we're now known as saints. So Christ's righteousness is given to us. Although we're still sinners, God views us as perfect and fully righteous. He views us as saints. Uh, one of the other key themes in this book is grace. 
Grace is best learned through the, an acronym, God's Riches at Christ's Expense. See how I did that with hands-free? So nice. Uh, God's Riches at Christ's Expense. Another way of saying this is Christ is enough. Christ is enough. Hands up if you've heard the phrase Christ is enough before. Thank you. Hands up if you've kind of shared that phrase or something similar to someone. When they've been sharing a life situation, whether you've prayed or you've counseled, hands up if you've shared that to them. Thank you. Hands up if it feels a bit harder applying it to your own life. Thank you for those that are being honest. Those of you that have broken one of the Ten Commandments, shame on you. Uh, it's really easy sometimes to forget what God's riches are. Some of us may struggle uh, with different disabilities. Some are more visible than others. Some may be prone to a specific type of temptation. Others of us may have struggles with a certain uh, ill health or, or whatever it might be. But I know that Christ is enough in quite a few areas of our lives. But through my own walk with Christ and counseling people, I know that most of us, there's one kind of trigger point. There's one soft spot in our lives uh, that's prone to spiritual attack, where it really does not feel like Christ is enough. It sounds like uh, that makes sense, but actually feeling it is something really different. So that trigger point for me is my hearing. I'll give you a quick background. Uh, at the age of 14 in 1990, I developed many ears disease in my ears. That's a degenerative condition. Uh, the fluid in my inner ear uh, uh, increases, it causes my inner ear membrane to rupture, that causes vertigo, and over time, the inner ear membrane uh, becomes scar tissue. On your inner ear membrane, you're meant to have hair follicles, and just like wind blowing across the ears of corn, uh, sound waves come into your ear, blow across these hair follicles, and it helps you hear. Now, if you're rupturing your inner ear membrane over time, you start losing your hearing, and that's happened. Now, there's a couple of operations you can have. Uh, the one I've had twice is called endolymphatic sac drainage. It is as barbaric as it sounds. Um, they cut your ear off, peel it forwards, drill a hole. It's, it's socialized medicine. That's all I've said. Is. Uh, in 1997, I had it in one ear. I developed the condition in my left ear. In 2006, I had it uh, again. Now, there's three symptoms to many ear disease. One is tinnitus or tinnitus. Uh, loud ringing. Another one is oral fullness. So it feels like you've got water in your ears. So you kind of find yourself doing that without much happening. Just the occasional spider drops out. Or the third one is vertigo. Now I'm scared of heights, but that's not what vertigo is. Vertigo is where you have this disabling, uh, the world spins round and your eyes are moving and you have to kind of lie down. And even then it feels, the best way I can describe it, uh, before Christ, if you ever drank too much alcohol, sometimes the alcohol can get in your inner ear membrane and make you feel dizzy. That's the same feeling as vertigo, I would imagine. Um, so you have these symptoms. The worst one for me is just the vertigo. So when I had the operation in 2006, there's a couple of risks with it that feel worthwhile taking. One is a very small risk. When they're drilling a hole, they're going to touch the phrenic nerve and cause facial palsy. The other one is you get hearing loss. It can be permanent hearing loss. So after I had the operation in 2006, I developed almost permanent hearing loss in my right ear and uh, no more vertigo, which is a big win, but I have really sporadic hearing. It kind of goes up and down. Uh, it 
uh, most of the time, because I have hearing aids, it actually has lots and lots of advantages. Uh, it's tr a trigger point for me only at certain times. So some of the advantages of having hearing aids is you can take them out to any point and be in a completely quiet place, genuinely. You could be in a coffee shop, people are speaking too loudly, oh, and turn them off, and you can concentrate. It's very, very helpful. Uh, another thing, we have three chihuahuas in a house. If you discover that they have left a present, if you're the first one to discover it, you're the one that has to deal with it. I have the same rule for things that go bump in the night. So I have my hearing aids out. If an intruder comes into the house, something goes bump, a window breaks, I can't hear it, and so Shelley has to investigate. <laughs> Big believer in equality. Uh, it puts you in some really funny situations as well. Uh, there are a lot of times, I'm mostly guessing sometimes what people are saying. Uh, if you're short-sighted, if I take my glasses off, the outline of things becomes more fuzzy. It's not like it's completely black or completely white, but just the, the clarity of stuff goes. It's the same uh, when your hearing goes. You still hear noises, but it's harder to distinguish different words. You more get a flow of a couple of words, and your brain kind of interprets what you're saying, uh, what's being said. I have actually said yes to a lot of things I did not intend to say yes to. Uh, lots of different Starbucks drinks I've ordered by accident. Uh, I'll share this at the retreat, because it's not appropriate to share on a stage on a Sunday. I have said yes at the doctors for things I should not have said yes to. Uh, there are times when I'm taking a guess at what people are saying, and I'll say yes. And they'll look at me a little confused, and they'll say, well, which is it? And I realized they were asking me to choose between something. So I then occasionally mix yes up with like, uh-huh. That's really non-committal, like, uh-huh, carry on. <laughs> or from time to time, I'll say, excellent. Uh, excellent, excellent. I thought it's very helpful. Uh, one time I said excellent to a guy. I said to him, he'd been baptized at a church I was at in Massachusetts. I said, how's your day been? And certain tones of voice I can't hear. This is a really low, deep, soft tone. And he said something. I thought, you've just been baptized. You're going to have had a good day. So I said, excellent. His face looked like I desecrated a family member's grave. And I thought, ooh. Now, I sometimes have bad breath, but his eyes weren't watering, so it might not be that. But his face kind of went... I'm sorry, what did you say? He said, I said my cat died today. It's not been a good day. And I'd said, excellent. Now, I am a dog lover, but not to the boldness of wishing ill upon cats. There's lots of funny situations from hearing. Where it's a trigger point is where my hearing completely goes. So from time to time, let's say every six months, for a week or two weeks, my hearing just goes to the point of I wear hearing aids and I still can't even hear my own voice. And when that happens, and someone says to me, Christ is enough, it does not feel like that's going to be enough for me. I want my hearing. Like, I know Christ is enough, but life without hearing is pretty bad. Now, every time my hearing has come back, but there is part of my condition where at some point some people do go deaf. So every time my hearing suddenly goes, I panic. I really panic and think, that's it, I'm deaf. That's it. Oh, thank you, God. You've made me deaf. I can't believe you did this. Uh, normally, I will 
uh, be very grateful to God, saved me from a life of addictions and selfishness, a whole host of other things, and set me on a completely different path. But when it comes to hearing, for some reason, when my hearing goes, it's almost like I'm a plane uh, cruising along, and there's a spiritual attack, like a, a missile explodes near the plane in the air. Now, nothing's happening. It's never going to hit the plane. Like, God is enough, and it keeps going. I see that missile explode. I just put the plane into a nosedive. Really start panicking. Uh, that happened. My hearing completely went last week. Uh, last week, I was at the U.S. conference. I went there with high expectations. Great, I'm going to get some worship. I'm going with my family. I'm going to have lots of networking conversations. going to meet different people. I'm going to have training. I'm going to receive encouragement. Uh, the reality was I was going to need my hearing for each one of those things. Now, what you learn if you teach is that God gives you a lesson on the message every time you're about to do a message. So my job is to be mastered by the text. Now, when you're preparing, you kind of master the text a little bit. You know what's happening, so you can preach it. But you also have to sit under the text. So if you're going to teach on marriage, God will cause an argument within your marriage. If you're going to teach on parenting, that week you'll have a really good example of how you messed up. If you're going to do a message on peacemaking, you'll have an argument. Uh, it happens every time. So as we go through our teaching series, I am not going to teach on eunuchs at any point. In any case, <laughs> back to this. Uh, I wrestled with this text. I sat in a US conference and thought, what the heck? Like, I've got to get to my head. I've got to understand it. I've got to believe it. It's got to go to my heart where it's real so that it can go to my hands. So I can genuinely, I'm not here as some Bible expert, I'm someone who sat under the text, understood the process, and I'm sharing with it. Normally that can happen somewhat quickly. Uh, my hearing loss, I got stuck between the head and the heart. It's just like, this is not going to be helpful for me. I was looking forward to encountering God at this conference, and I realized that most of the ways you could encounter God at the conference were going to be through hearing. So worship on the second day, on Tuesday, in uh, Waco. Everyone's singing. I'm sulking. So I sat down, looked at the text, started reading what I was going to be teaching on, wrote it out, and kept reading and reading and reading. And the message, main point is Christ is enough. Oh, come on. Like, is he? Is he enough? Uh, I'm going to talk, read through the text now, and then look at how Christ is enough. Christ is enough, as we see in the book of Philippians, Christ is enough philosophically for us. And then the journey that I eventually got to of letting go and letting God with my hearing, uh, how he was enough for me as well. So I'm going to pray as I read the text to you now. Will you bow your heads as I read Philippians 4, and it's verse, 20, uh, verse 10 and to the end. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being uh, content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this 
through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once. When I was in need, oh sorry, more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received Ephroditus, the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then traditional writing would do a, a greeting to people at the end of a letter, the same as at the beginning. And it also will do typically a key point. So grace was mentioned at the beginning, and it's going to be mentioned at the end. It's a key point of this letter. So then Paul closes by saying, greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. I'm going to pretend that I deliberately didn't pray before reading that, so we'll pray now. Let's bow our heads as I pray for God to speak to us. Father God, I pray that at the end of this message, each one of us will understand how we best respond to you, that Christ is enough. Father, I pray that you revealed in me that, that trigger point where I don't believe that Christ is enough. Lord, I pray that you'd help people here have that moment of clarity, realization, so that you can speak truth and love and healing into that area, because you are enough. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so I sat down sulking, read the text, didn't know the main point was Christ is enough, started reading, I was like, ah, oh, here we go. Uh, I'm not saying, verse 11, I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. At the time, I was thinking, well, that's nice for you, Paul, but you're not deaf. Uh, verse 12, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry. In my head, I'm thinking, I'm okay whether I'm well-fed or slightly hungry. Uh, whether living in plenty or in want, yeah, I'm okay there, but... Not necessarily whether I can hear or whether I can not hear. And then again, verse 13, he says how he does this. He said, I'm content in any circumstance, verse 11. Verse 12, I'm content in any circumstance. And how, verse 13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And so I was wrestling with that. Like, how can I be content without my hearing? How can I pa not panic without my hearing? How can Christ heal me? How can Christ stop me in this tail spin? I went to verse 19. He says, and my God, and he's saying, my God, also your God, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. The riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. That's grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. It's another way of saying Christ is enough. Really? 
was what I was thinking. And I sat there, and wrestling with God looks like my wife writing me notes next to me saying, don't be so grumpy, it's pretty obvious. I'm writing back, well, you'd be grumpy if you were deaf. It's that kind of to and fro. I just kind of say, just relax. I'm not going to relax, capitals. In any case, as I'm wrestling with God, I'm thinking, is the riches that we have in Christ Jesus enough? Well, is this a new point that Paul is making? So I had to look back through the letters and sat in this conference. And it really is. It seems that Paul is saying in all things that God or Christ is enough. Chapter 1, verses 3 and to 11, he says, you have abounding love in the gospel. Abounding love and like family-like relationships. Like you really belong. Christ is enough. Uh, verses 12 to 30, no matter what persecution you're going through, God uses it. So he's giving us hope in persecution. Again, Christ is enough. Chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, he's talking about being humble like Christ is humble. And one of the things when we see that Christ was humble, God himself brought him up. So that now he is above every other name. So we can be humble and not climb over other people to be above them, because in the fullness of time, God will raise us up. He's enough again. Uh, chapter 2, verse 12 to the end, it's all about helping one another. You have a need, uh, I have a need, let's care for one another and help one another. Uh, again, Christ is enough. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 11, it's all about righteousness through Christ. Paul saying, you look at everything I've done, all the wonderful achievements in the world's eyes, they are nothing, nothing for righteousness. I only have righteousness in Christ. Another way of saying that would be, doesn't matter how high on the mountain I am compared to you. Meeting God's standard is like reaching the stars. So... When grace has happened and God has reached down from the stars to me, that's my righteousness. I don't take any reassurance about where I am in terms of goodness on the mountain. And 12 to the end, he gives them lots of encouragement to persevere. Uh, chapter 3 at the end, verse 20 and 21, he says these things as an encouragement. He's saying, persevere, God is working in you, and you're a citizen of heaven. He says this, but our citizenship is in heaven. So this is 3.20. And we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, he will transform our lowly bodies so be like his glorious body. Frustrated at how long it takes for us to become more Christ-like? Don't worry. The power that created everything, the power that puts Christ above everything, is working in you, and we'll see it to completion. Again, it's like Christ is enough. And then it moves to chapter 4. I missed it last week, so uh, I was reading through it uh, this week, 2 to 9. It's whatever situation you're in, pray to God. And it says here at the end of verse 9, And the God of peace will be with you. No matter how distressed you are, you are not alone. So 
for me, no matter how distressed I am about not being able to hear, no matter how much of a panic I am going in, this message is saying, turn to God and he will give you peace. He is with you. So the letter throughout is really clear. Uh, it's, it, it's all there. Christ is enough. So the gospel is we're in a loving union with God. Before the beginning of time was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, through Christ, we are invited into that love relationship with them. And this letter is all about it being in Christ, union with Christ, and being in this family relationship with others. Like all of your needs are met. Uh, Hands up if you know the difference when it comes to a present between a want and a need. So occasionally at school, you'd be told, well, when you come back, as in like kiddie school, when you come back, you're going to need a scientific calculator. So I'd say to my parents, I need a scientific calculator. They go, we'll get you one at Christmas. That's more of a need. Like, I need a calculator. I want a soccer ball. And so you start to bargain with what you want and what you need. It's the same with God. There are many things that I want, and I wish God wanted them for me at this moment, this exact moment. But he gives everything that we need, and it's different. Uh, Philosophically, it's said that people need three things in life. Uh, Whether you say God or a higher power, I'm going to use the word God here. Uh, People need to know that there is a God who loves them. This letter, chapters one, verses 1 and 2, the very first chapter, say that so clearly. They need to know that the higher power God forgives them. God loves them. God forgives them. And they need to know that there is hope. Whatever situation they're in, uh, if there's hope for change, humans can be resilient and survive it. You take away someone's hope, you take away their will to live. So for me, with my hearing, I suddenly panic and think, I'm not going to be here again. How can I pastor? Uh, How can I disciple the people I've agreed to disciple? How am I going to hear my wife? How am I going to hear my kids? How am I going to hear my grandkids? It's that really escalating. Uh, It's not pretty, but I wanted to share it with you to at least give you a realistic view of what submitting to Christ is enough looks like. So it says it in the book of Philippians. Lots of different ways that Christ is enough. Philosophically, it would appear that Christ is enough. Through Christ, we know that God loves us, God forgives us, and there is hope. So what was my journey like at the conference? I felt utterly, utterly hopeless. Um, You know it's a spiritual attack when you just believe lies. Uh, If you struggle with anger, you might go from 0 to 100 pretty quickly. When it's a spiritual attack, you go from being content to despair really, really quickly. Some of us, it looks like depression. For me, it does. Others, it looks like, gosh, I'm going to have to control stuff. But there is a, a soft spot where the reaction that we have is not what we would normally have. I felt really hopeless. See, how am I going to provide for my family? How could I earn an income? All of these are lies, but you see what I mean? You just start irrationally going there. Like when God speaks into your life, it's hope. 
It's forgiveness. When the devil speaks into your life, it's despair and it's condemnation. And it felt dark. I couldn't hear and it felt dark. And I'm sat there and I've read the text a few times. I'm like, <laughs> I better get there. I'm thinking I better get there by Sunday. Uh, thankfully, I did. Before I share with you how I got there, I just want to take two minutes for silence. Uh, the silence will be through me experiencing that weakness, that trigger point. I discovered what it really was, where I don't believe that Christ is enough. I'm going to have two minutes of silence. I'm going to pray very quickly at the beginning, and I'm going to close the prayer at the end for God to reveal to you in the stillness of the thoughts in your head or the quietness of that internal voice what that trigger area is for you where you don't believe that Christ is enough. I'm going to close this with a prayer and then talk through how I got through to accepting that Christ was enough for me. Father God, as we sit here, we want you to speak to us. Christ is enough. But there's a place in each one of us where we don't believe that's really true. So we sit silently now, Lord. Reveal it to each one of us. Father, you meet all of our needs in the riches we have through Christ. Help our unbelief in this particularly sensitive area, whichever one of us have. Make it real, move from our heads to our hearts to our hands, that not just Christ is enough, but Christ is enough for me and in this particular area too. I pray this in your son's name. Amen. So a couple of hours into the first morning of the conference, I've been reading this like, are you kidding me? Uh, The next 90 minutes, God just did a whole load of heart surgery. Now, my pride would show that I didn't immediately reveal how God was working to me because I was grumpy, and I wanted to sulk, and I wanted people to know that. But there was something internal happening. Uh, I started to stand up. So seeing I kind of stood up with my hands in my pockets, a camera, you can at least read the lyrics. And there's a guy just in front of me standing up, and he had a T-shirt on. And you sometimes think something like, really, God? And you see something, and then you think, ah, this was one of those moments. He had a T-shirt on, and bright, clear as day in front of me, it says, until the whole world hears. Ah, thank you, Jesus. But then I realized, no, actually, there's a message here. What does that mean? So you can start talking to God in the quietness of your voice, or complaining to him, or asking him. So what does that mean? Well, what? it means the gospel. Like, have I heard the gospel? Yes. So I am fully forgiven by God. I have heard the gospel. That's the most important thing that could happen to me. And in the fullness of time, I will be with God forever, with hearing. And it will be fantastic. So I've heard the gospel. What else have I heard? I heard my wedding vows. I've heard my children's first words. I've heard them laugh. I've heard them say, Daddy. I've heard them complain. Uh, Before I became a Christian, when my hearing was bad, I had kind of one deal with whatever higher power there was. And the deal was, just let me hear my children laugh, then get rid of my hearing. Uh, I kind of forgot that deal. But he has let me hear so, so much more. 
And I realized I need to let go and trust God with this. Everything that I've needed to hear and actually more I have heard. Now, step one in recovery uh, might be addictions. It could be codependency. Uh, For me, I'm pretty codependent on my hearing, which means I cannot control my hearing whatsoever. And yet it has a tremendous impact on my sense of well-being. Does that make sense? It's beyond my control, and yet I base all my happiness on it. Kind of like if you're a Cubs fan three years ago. Um, you're, You're basing your happiness on something you can't control and something's essentially unstable. And so there's a phrase which is, you let go and let God. Uh, It's almost like you're hanging on a cliff and you think, oh goodness, I'm going to fall. If you look down, there's actually a a ledge. (laughs) But you've got to let go to realize there's the ledge. And every time you let go, God catches you. So with my hearing, at that moment, I kind of let go. And it wasn't in huge trust. It was kind of in resignation. Um, And God being God uh, made my hearing come back. He didn't need to. I had heard what I needed to hear. Now, I'll be honest, I'm not going to compete with an owl at nighttime for hearing a mouse and then pouncing on it. But my hearing has come back to usual levels, where I can hear my own voice, I can hear my wife compliment me, no end. Uh, My hearing came back. And it came back just in time for a message on healing. And in this message on healing, it was like, God heals. Yeah, he does, but I think, but not my hearing. Uh, There's a message on healing, and there's a picture of someone that had six inches of colon cancer, then after prayer, it completely disappeared, and then all the medical documents. There was another message then, just in time, on persevering. This pastoral couple went through a really difficult situation, uh, where they thought he was going to lose his wife and lose the child that she was carrying. And he said, "You, you learn, ask yourself two questions. If you can say yes to those, you can persevere. The guy said, is God good? And is God love? And if you can say yes to those two, it's going to be all right. So as it came to my hearing, I needed to hear that. Yes, God is good and he's love, so it's going to be okay. You heard this miraculous story of how this, his wife's uh, uterus wall broke. Uh, they thought it was going to be terminal for her and the baby. Uh, the bladder caught it. And so she's able to carry the baby to term because of what the bladder did. And I'm thinking, that's miraculous. And then I start thinking, well, maybe God can heal my hearing. Maybe, as he created me in my mother's womb, maybe he can just cause some of those hairs to come back on that scar tissue. What I realized is that Christ is enough for me. So often, uh, our relationship with God can be side by side. You're kind of just walking along, kind of cohabiting in each other's lives, There's other times you're really close and passionate where you're feeling really uh, together. And then there's sometimes you feel back to back. When I lost my hearing, I felt back to back with God. I felt hurt by him. Like, why would you take my hearing? I I need this conference. Uh, As soon as I realized he was enough, I kind of turned back. But realized he'd always actually been that way. What I'd just done was turn my back on him. I'm angry about not having my hearing. And then he was there. And peace actually came. Uh, I don't think I was thanking him for the lack of hearing, but I was able to really just get a tremendous amount from the rest of the conversation. I was able to move from head to heart 
to hands and have at least some credibility as I stand up here sharing that Christ is enough. It's not just philosophical. It's not just something written in a book. It's reality. Christ is enough for me. Christ was enough for Paul. Christ is enough for the Philippians. Christ is enough for each one of you. I'm going to ask the band to come up back on stage. Alyssa, let's pretend I never took this. Uh, there's two ways I want us to respond to the message. Uh, we're actually going to sing, Christ is enough for me. Thank you to Greg for changing that at the last minute. Uh, in the lyrics of Christ is enough for me, it says, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. When you decide to follow Jesus, it's not like a one-off thing. It's a daily commitment. What does following Christ look like today? Like being baptized says, I'm surrendering to Christ. But the reality of the Christian life is we die to ourselves each and every day. I want you to know that Christ is your all in all. He's the joy of your salvation. The, the hope you have in him will never fail. Through every storm, my soul will sing, Jesus is here, to God be the glory. Ways to respond. I want you to really sing it, like from your heart and that you mean it. Two, God heals. I heard so many good Believable, as in it's not, yeah, and someone kind of got better. There was medical proof that pretty miraculous healings happened. Uh, come forward for healing. We'll have people that pray for you. Or from others of us, it might just be, what is that area that God has showed us where we turn our back to him? And just accepting that there are things that we need to let go of and let go and he will catch us. So I'm going to pray for us, then we'll stand and sing. Jesus, you are enough for each one of us. We are in you. We are in the gospel. We're with each person here. Thank you that you give us hope. Thank you that you give us salvation. Thank you that you give us healing. Thank you that in you we are called home. Pray these things in your son's name.